Today's episode is made possible with support from Bremer Bank. Work with a banker who understands your business goals and how a strong banking relationship will help you achieve them. Work with Bremer Bank. Put Bremer to work for you today at bremer.com. You don't ever go to a plumber and say, I would like you to make this thing for me. You know, I would like you to plumb my toilet for me, but I want you to do it in this style. And I, and I want, <laughs> and then also I'm going to see how I like it before I pay too. You know, like there's like that whole work on spec thing. And I'm just like, that's such garbage. From Twin Cities Business, this is By All Means, a show about innovation, drive, and purpose, and the leaders who make business work in Minnesota. I'm Allison Kaplan, your host and editor-in-chief of Twin Cities Business Magazine, coming to you from the studios of our presenting sponsor, the University of St. Thomas Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, cultivating the next generation of problem solvers and innovators. The school offers undergraduate and graduate programs in entrepreneurship and corporate innovation, as well as community resources to support new ventures, family businesses, and corporate entrepreneurs. And now, by all means. He's one of Minnesota's most prolific working artists today, known for capturing state icons like Paul Bunyan and the Stone Arch Bridge in vibrant illustrations. I'm talking about Adam Terman. His artwork can be found on drinkware, kitchen towels, socks, and more, sold at gift shops around the state. You'll also find his work on enormous murals at places like Surly Brewing or his latest and largest yet, a 220 by 40 foot scene on the side of a parking ramp in St. Louis Park. He's managed to do what most artists only dream of, pursue the creative projects that fuel him and turn it into a successful business. Today, Adam offers us a peek behind the canvas and into his company, which continues to grow and diversify. It's the career he always dreamed of as an artistic kid in a family of educators. Getting a college degree wasn't optional in the Terman household, so Adam earned a degree in art and used it to land a job in interactive design. That's where he had the epiphany that launched his career as an independent artist. I worked with a woman who was one of their VPs at the time, and she saw me drawing. And I, and I was an interactive designer at Larson Design, just to make that clear. So mm-hmm. I was an interactive designer. That was my, the types of jobs that I was getting awarded when I was working there. and. She came over and she saw me working on a storyboard for some commercial. I don't even remember what it was. And I'm drawing this. And, and she comes over to me and she's like, why, why are you not an illustrator? Why are you not illustrating more? And I'm like, I don't know. Isn't, like, isn't, isn't the money in graphic design? I don't know. I, that's, and she's like, well, you can draw. You might want to think about that a little bit. And I'm like, oh. And that stuck with me. And now I'm telling you Uh that, Allie, on a podcast. How about that? I mean, uh, what is this, 25 years later? Yeah. So that was a big inspiration for me, for someone to tell me that they thought that, you know, I I, I might have some sort of something going on in in an illustrative world as well. It's interesting that you you loved art and yet... You also wanted like a regular job and a career. And so you were trying to make your artistic talent work within that framework. Yes. Not, you, it, had it ever occurred to you early on to just start making art and trying to sell it? Not really, because I've always really liked a reason to make the art that I make. Hmm. I really love direction. And I think that's my graphic design sense. I really like the idea of getting a project, having some limitations having a reason to do what I do like like for example right now I'm doing a couple I'm painting a couple skateboards for a for a show that's all about you know that's artists are painting on skateboard decks right mm-hmm. so like that's just fun and then I think about who's my audience though like I want to make sure that I sell that art or mm-hmm. have it be marketable in some sort of way yeah so I'm not just thinking about I just want to make something for me necessarily I want to make something for not only me and my style but I want to make it for who is going to the show, who's, you know, who's into skateboards, who likes my work and is also going to sell. Like, yeah. I know it's going to be like primarily a Minnesota audience going to this little skateboard show. So I'm going to do some artwork that's kind of based on, you know, Minnesota stuff a little bit, but mm-hmm. also has like my tendency. So it's a little bit more, you know, hard rock looking, yeah, you yeah. know, than maybe what you might see and when you go to the state fair, for so example. So you're sort of a pragmatic creative yeah. in a way. 
I, I mean, it's it's interesting because I mean, you might think of those things as as sort of opposite, but you are you're thinking about making a living. You're thinking about doing something that's going to sell. You're not just thinking about the creative. I love when I was, God, how old was I? Um, I think this was like I was in eighth grade and I made a. I won this like t-shirt contest. I did a t-shirt contest and and uh and then like the next month or so these kids actually like over the summer then the t-shirt was produced and then the kids were wearing the shirt that I made. Mm-hmm. And and a bunch of these kids were wearing it and I'm like this is like the coolest thing ever. I get to make one thing and all these kids get to have it and yeah. wear it and it's like you know, they get to say, oh, nice T-shirt design and stuff. And like, I'm just getting all this, all this dopamine, right? I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is like super sweet. I love yeah. this. So I started working as an in-house graphic designer at the University of Minnesota. You would never know the kind of work that I've been, you know, that, that I do by, by what I would produce there. Okay. Right. So like, you know, catalogs for the college, ads, brochures, sure. little threefold things, Not you know, stuff like that. Not your signature designs. No, but it's but, good to be versatile, right? right? And I, you know, I learned a lot. I mm-hmm. learned a lot about like just, you know, making things and also like managing my time really well. Mm. So then to answer your question, Allie, I went to, at the time, screen printed gig posters were getting really hot and cool. This is like around 2003, at least in Minneapolis and like the Twin Cities area, I was starting to see a lot of these posters going up because I would go to shows and mm-hmm. a lot of the punk rock shows that I would go to and stuff. And I and I just thought like this stuff is really cool. And I started to put two and two together for like who the artists were making the posters, and then and then uh, also connecting with this show, this rock poster show that was in Lower Town, St. Paul. Mm-hmm. So one night. Just told my wife, you know, I, after work, I'm going to go to this little show. And it wasn't even a reception or anything. It was just like open studio hours. And I was like, or open gallery hours. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. And I went there. And then I, there's some guy like reading in the corner. And I said, hey, do you know, do you know who this artist is? And, and I'm just kind of naming off artists. And he's like, he's like, oh, that's me. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> cool. So then I, I. I introduced myself. I did bring cards, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, I, which I don't always do. Savvy move. I know. So like, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of pitching myself a little bit. And I'm like, I, you know, I like to draw. I like to, I like to illustrate. And, you know, I'm a graphic designer right now, blah, blah, blah. I'm kind of describing myself. And he's like, well, we're part of this like collective, the artist collective that does like design. And, and we, we do like screen prints and design and illustration and things like that for, for gig posters and gigs coming up around town. First Avenue at the time, the Triple Rock Social Club was still around. Mm. The Turf Club, you know, l- little venues like that, and not that First Avenue is like a little venue necessarily, but you know what I mean. Sure. So it was really fun, and then some email correspondence started to go back and forth with like some key players in that in that artist collective, and then I was invited to basically get on this email list to start basically trying to win. Gig posters. Ah. So did did it start working? Did you start making money and doing posters? We made dozens of dollars. Dozens <laughs> of dollars. <laughs> okay. I mean, it was it was seriously like you'd go to the show and you'd sell a print for like five bucks. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. And but did it get you excited? Oh my god, it was super cool. And of course, and so what I'm, I'm always trying to do like a little bit of you know marketing for myself, and that was like putting my name on on my pieces and mm-hmm. always putting my website on there too. And so. Back in the day when I was doing posters for pro bono and, you know, especially like even well before the screen printed ones, I was just doing like little flyers and I would draw those on, you know, I'd be on my sofa with with my wife and we'd just be watching Mad Men or something, whatever it was, you know, back in the day. And then I would just be drawing with a Sharpie and I I just make stuff. But yeah. I would always make sure to put my website in my name. And I also made sure that my signature is always very readable. Yeah. Because... I don't know about you, but I've seen many artist signatures where I'm like, I don't know what that oh, says. Yeah. I have no idea. I, I could remember. never be an artist because nobody can read mine, but yours is very distinct. I try to really make sure that, you know, the name Termin is spelled in a way mm-hmm. and is very readable. So and, smart. Well, that's like, that's my graphic design sense Yeah, of too, course. You know? of I'm trying course. to communicate a message, right? So what was next after the, the poster business? What was next after the poster business? Um, well, basically it was like, doing a lot of pro bono work and then the pro bono work started to turn into paid work because people would see that web you know that that website 
And then they would start contacting me. And then I had to try to figure out like a pricing structure about how much this would be for like CD release shows that the bands wanted to do, for example. Mm. So it was like really, really cheap in the beginning. Because I would just want to make stuff mm-hmm. and, and hustle and, and, and make things happen. Mm-hmm. The word, you know, people started to recognize my style and like what type of work I was doing on these gig posters. And then um, from there... I believe the story's like, I, I was like, you know, I think I could maybe sell some of these at different craft and art fairs and things like that. So I started to put my work out and make sort of non-gig poster related prints. Hmm. Sometimes in the very beginning, I would make a gig poster, but then I would put the typography. If you're familiar with screen printing, screen printing is a series of layers to make up a, a print, right? Mm-hmm. And I would put the typography on a different layer. So then sometimes I would have an art print version that didn't have any type on it, that didn't have the band name or anything like that. And then I would have the gig poster version that the band would get or whatever. Mm. And I could sell both. Yeah. But a lot of people started liking the art prints more than they liked the gig posters. Was there one um, breakthrough project that you remember or was there a moment when you you know turned to your wife and said, yeah, we're we're going to be able to, yeah. to to pay the bills and keep the lifestyle. The one project that I talk about especially in like presentations and stuff and and I think about like how it got me to where I am is basically <laughs> is like it's Shirley Brewing. Mm. So, you know, it's Omar. Mm-hmm. And o- Omar's the best. He's yeah. I love him. He's yeah. this like he's awesome. So, they were a brand new little brewery in 2007. We had a poster show those th- that artist collective I was talking about, we were putting together a gig poster show and some local bands and stuff were going to play in it. And I'm like, I contacted this this cool new brewery, Surly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can we get some free beer for the event? <laughs> <laughs> Side note, they will never do this anymore, so don't even try. <laughs> um, the, but at the time in 2007, they... Um, uh, you know, I just contacted Omar and I was like, we've got this this thing and it's the show and I... I think we need beer and would you be willing? And he's like, tell me more about it. And so he, he took a chance on, on me and, and my, you know, collective. And he gave us, um, you know, like two free kegs of beer. We had like punk rock music and cool music going on. And it was just, it was super, super awesome. And um, I asked him, if you give me, you know, free beer for the show, I will do a free poster for you mm. and so there was a we did a trade thing which sure. again side note i do not do that anymore uh, so <laughs> don't ask don't, yeah. but it's a good way to <laughs> but in the beginning you got to do it. yeah you got to yeah. do what you got to do right so it was just like it, it was cool and um so then like i don't know a couple weeks after the show um you know was over i did a, a screen printed poster for him that was super fun and then that led to me kind of doing sort of the firsts for a lot of things for surly um, not officially the first in some way, in some cases, because the beer nerds will call me out on that. But, you know, like I did one of the first um, Surly Fest posters. I did one of the first Darkness posters. And then um, uh, ultimately what happened, and we'll get there to the story, but um, or through the story, I did a poster or I did a um, I met with an artist that I, I just love and adore. His name's Josh. He's awesome. He's an aerosol guy. So he does like more graffiti style painting with, with spray paint. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about that. And I, I love to learn, right? I, I, I'm like, I want to learn how to spray paint some stuff because I would love to get, like I can do it, but it's crappy. And I would love to get like better technique. And Josh is like, you know, I just said, I just love you. And I think it's so cool. We should just work together or something. We should just do something together because it would be cool. Mm-hmm. And he's like, um, well, I'll, I'll try to find a wall. And then he starts like finding walls and he found this wall on top of Surly, Surly's old tap room in Brooklyn Center. And he's like, you know, Omar, why don't you ask him if we could do a, a mural on top of their tap room? And I'm like, yeah, cool. All right, let's try it. And, and we're like the, free. We'll just do it for free because we just want to do it. Mm-hmm. And so Omar was like, OK, but I just don't want it to look like graffiti. Ah. <laughs> we're like, OK, uh, no problem. So we put a sketch together and then. Um, started painting it and it was super awesome and we had a great time and then flash forward to butcher and the boar so i have a mural at butcher and the boar on 12th and in on 12th and hennepin the original yeah the yeah. original butcher and yeah, boar. thank yeah. you very much i thank you and tim rooney who um no longer with us but he was pitching omar to get some beer for his 
restaurant, Butcher and the Boar. And then he went to Brooklyn Center and he saw my mural that I had done mm. with Josh up on the top of Surly. And he's like, who did that? Omar gave him my name. And then I got the job to paint the mural at Butcher and the Boar. Uh, I made sure that my name was very clear. I had my website there on there go. and everything. Smart and it's on marketer. a major, major bus line in Minneapolis mm-hmm. and a lot of like walking traffic, especially <laughs> yeah. at that time. And people started to like, you know, call. I started doing like craft fairs and art fairs, I think like around in 2006-ish. Mm-hmm. And I did the No Coast Craftorama mm. that's in the Midtown Global Market. Yep. And I brought out these, I made these three pieces that were like, Really, really graphic designy looking pieces of Grain Belt, Gold Medal, and Pillsbury, right? right. The yeah. three iconic like Mill District area, you know, like sign and, and mm-hmm. silos and a building that's all in Mill District. I sold the living crap out of those. At least what I thought was <laughs> living crap out of those. I mean, like yeah. I remember that that particular show, I didn't have a credit card machine. There was no like internet. It was before this, Square. I think this, this was before Square. This was before like smartphones and all that. And I had $6,400 in cash. Mm. Like that's what I made at that show. Mm-hmm. And that felt like a lot. And it was a, it was a boatload. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I really hope I don't get killed going out of here. <laughs> right. So, and even during that duration of time, you know, at the show, I think it was two days or something at the show. I had even my father-in-law, you know, come and bring more prints. Like, I thought I had brought enough prints. Were you surprised? What What do you think it was? Was it the Minnesota Yeah. At the thing? time, I think it was like, I was, you know, I, I think it was like this whole, like, a lot of Minnesota pride and, like, you know, icons and landmarks and Minnesota pride. And then I think it kind of graduated to, like, overall Minnesota pride. Like, we only get four months of summerish weather we have to like embrace that we celebrate we're survivors we're survivors (laughs) (laughs) cue the music Tom. cue the music i'm a survivor um so uh but but it's it's an iconic shape we have really cool things that we love and embrace we're Mm -hmm. we're like quote unquote a flyover state but we have all these things that we're like no no no, that's ours Mm -hmm. paul bunyan's ours Mm -hmm. you know and we have like um the loon the loon is ours and like ten thousand. that's ours and like hot dish not casserole. That's yeah, a, you know, yeah, so yeah. it's little things like that. That's like, I don't know. I kind of love that. I love the lore. I mm-hmm. love the folklore. I love the, the iconic, you know, um, landmarks like Split Rock Lighthouse, for example. Mm-hmm. I just love all that stuff. When we get back, how Adam turned his love of all things Minnesota into several different revenue streams. Today's episode is made possible with support from Bremer Bank. When you're looking for business advice, Everyone's got an opinion, an angle, a surefire five-step plan. But if you want to know whether any of it actually makes sense for your business, who do you turn to? Work with a banker who understands your business goals and how a strong banking relationship will help you achieve them. Work with Bremer Bank, because understanding is everything. Put Bremer to work for you today at bremer.com. The projects are starting to roll in, which means Adam has to make some critical decisions around owning his art and later how to navigate AI. Take a listen. I made that MN Months art mm-hmm. that has 12 little Minnesotas up and it kind of, you know, it's sort of, I call it MN Months because it's like loosely based on what happens every month. There's like a rainbow mm. in, in what would be the June, um, you know, Minnesota. What, and- what form did that take? What I mean, was that a calendar or what? It was just an art print. Oh, an art print. I just okay. made it. Okay. I just made it, it. And I made that for myself. Okay. And I was like, this is like one of those rare occasions where I actually made something just for me. Mm-hmm. And then, because I, I also thought, I think people are going to like this. Mm-hmm. And I also think I can probably put this on different things. And you talked about drinkware earlier and that, and I, uh, uh, a promotional company reached out to me and that was the first company that wanted to start putting my work on different types of products like mm. apparel and, and and they found you yeah they 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 searched me out and um that was just really cool and we tried it with minnesota months and we had 12 different glasses which looking back on it that was a lot of different glassware but then it made it kind of forced everybody if they wanted the whole collection it was kind of like 
what, going to Burger King and getting all like the Star yeah. Wars glasses for back in the day. So I don't know. It's kind of cool. Did you, before you just said, yes, I'll do it. I mean, did you think about how you wanted to set that up and owning your creative and kind of yeah. what the what the lifespan could be if you start having your products in, in retail stores? Honestly, I wasn't thinking too terribly much about it. I was thinking about it a little bit, though, that I I tend to own all my art. Yes, you can buy it. Like if you're a client, you want to buy it out. There, we have some, you know, there, there are some like contracts that we can do to, to buy out art. Most most clients don't. So I like to own the art as much as I possibly can, especially if I think it has life mm-hmm. that it can live. Because one of my goals is like, I love the idea of making something once and then having that particular piece of art, which is my asset. Right. To speak in business terms. I don't have a ton of asset assets, but I can make them. And so that's really important to me. And if I lose that, I lose that, you know, ability to continue to make money off of that particular asset. So, sure. so you know, has, I, I has never really, been... I, with that particular project, I never really signed a contract. I just, um, but then they gave me, they basically gave me like a rundown of like what royalty I'm going to get based on sales mm-hmm. and, and all that. Like you're going to get, you know, X amount of cents per you know, uh, glass and stuff like that. And I was like, I think that sounds pretty good. And then, <laughs> and there's kind of like a, there's not, in art, it, art is weird. Art is very bizarre. Cause like, there's no, there's no like set number for anything. There's not there's an like industry a, there's, standard. No, absolutely no industry standard. And hmm. there's like a value there, right? It's so, art is so weird. It's like, you don't ever go to a plumber and say, I would like you to make this thing for me. You know, I would like you to plumb my toilet for me, <laughs> but I want you to do it in this style. And I, and I want, <laughs> and then also I'm going to see how I like it before I pay too. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. like there's like that whole work on spec thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's such garbage. So I don't work like that. I also don't do contests anymore either because that I don't like working that way because I like, because like that's my asset. Like I'm drawing, I need to make money for what I'm doing, right? Right. So I just think that that's like such an interesting way of, of working and art is really weird. So, I'm, you know, my studio manager and I really try to have a really clear, you know, uh, way of working a process when a client approaches us about like, this is how we work mm-hmm. and this is what to expect. And then, um, you know, oftentimes after that first initial contact and then my studio manager, her name is Sarah. She'll get back, and um, sometimes it's crickets. We won't hear from them for hmm. either for a long time or ever again. They thought and then, you were just going to do it for fun. Right, huh? yeah. I mean, a lot of people think that art is just like for fun, and it's cool, and yay, yeah. and, and you just love to do it, and, and it's so easy. Uh-huh. But that stuff, <laughs> whether, pe- whether people listening to this podcast believe it or not, art is work, mm-hmm. and art is, you know, it's a challenge, and being creative is like actually takes work. It doesn't look like you're doing anything. Like sometimes I have my, my best ideas like in the shower. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, la, 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 ding. You know, that'll work. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But you just never know when this stuff is going to happen. Yeah. And it's hard to put a price on that sometimes. Yeah. When, but we have a very formulaic way of doing pricing now. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as you talk about, you know, ownership and, and the value of your designs, as we get into this craziness of AI, oh, yeah. how are you feeling? I've used AI now, and I, I, I somewhat understand. It I am no actually expert. actually used it in your own projects? I will get to that. Okay. And I'm, I, I find it interesting, but I don't, I don't like using it as a final result necessarily. Well, what I was wondering is, I mean, you are well known enough that I'm sure I could go into yeah. uh, and, and to one of the, the many platforms and say, you know, draw me, you know, downtown Minneapolis in the style of Adam Terman. Yeah. And I'd probably get something that, lo- that I could never produce, but looks a lot like your work. And you can. It's I, scary. I've tried it. Yeah. <laughs> how did it, co- how did like it you, do? Like you Google yourself. Well, actually, what was funny was like, I'm on this platform, this AI platform, and I did see another search with my name in it that came up and I saw the art that this other person had tried to make with my name. I was like, oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. But- I'd only seen like one. I know that there's many other artists who have way more work that has actually been used in AI and stuff. So, um, and that's not me as of yet. But when you think about your, I mean, you know, 
art is your livelihood right. and your creative, you know, I mean, that's your intellectual property. Does it concern you as a, as a business going forward? I guess I haven't put a whole lot of thought into that as of yet. So that's one thing that, yeah, that's interesting. And I have I didn't mean to scare you. No, I, <laughs> I'm just, it's just said, you know, so much talk about it right now. Yeah. And it's so directly impacting. You guys can't who, see me on the podcast, but I'm freaking out right now. No, <laughs> no. It's, I mean, I, I just, I, so back to me personally using it, I yeah. use, I like it as a tool. I okay. like it as a basis for, for, um, you know, making new art. So mm-hmm. I've used it a couple of times and I, I'm being honest that, Big, huge mural that I made mm-hmm. re- most recently. Yeah, I I started with AI. Really? Yeah. So how so? What did what did you ask AI to do? Yeah, what so, what would Adam make? Right. So <laughs> so uh, so the the big mural that I just made is for Opus Group, mm-hmm. Opus Group Construction. The apartment building is named Corsa. Corsa apparently means to run, to be active, and that was part of like the creative brief. And also the discussions that I had with the stakeholders there about like, okay, so, you know, what should this mural look like and, and all that. this is on the side of, uh, is it a parking ramp? Yes, it's on the side of a parking ramp. It's 220 feet uh, uh, in length mm-hmm. by about 40 feet tall hmm. at its highest point. It's huge. And I used AI to just type in some key words like, you know, there's a cyclist on this mural, there's a runner, and there's a dog. And then there's feathers that are flying through through the through the piece, along with leaves and snowflakes. And I can draw all that stuff. But I felt like after having that conversation with those two artists that that just got me all fired up on AI, using it as a tool and typing in some keywords and some actions and things into AI and seeing what it would generate to help me just start. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I think is really cool about it is that typically I'm using a lot of like, I'll either photograph myself for, for like, you know, reference images, or I will Google search. And I'm just being honest. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on, on like image searches that you can use. I'll go to Getty Images, for example, and I'll just find images that that's giving me a basis for what I can work off, like poses mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. AI, for me, in this particular project, was cool because I was able to type in some keywords and even like how I wanted the image to kind of look like three-quarter view or profile or like running really hard or, mm-hmm. you know, like curly hair or whatever. And it generates um, an image for you. Oh. And, then, and then I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. That's hmm. kind of cool. And so it just is something to get you thinking and that I used as like a foundation for the rest of my sketch. Now, did I put that into the image the, or did I put that into the final image that I presented to the client? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. That that image is in there. I probably, I, I, I traced over it and then I redrew it maybe three times. And then, but I use that as a foundation for what I ultimately created as sure. final artwork but for the, the piece. But the way you're describing it, that sort of use to me feels very much like if you were to go through books, you're doing something from a certain, you know, period. And so you look up references right. and you're, I mean, that's research. Well, we, we, I feel like all artists are doing that in some yeah. way, shape or form. I mean, I'm also like, you know, making art that I'm just pulling out of my head, just like, yeah, you know, yeah, and just making stuff too. Huh. Interesting. But. But, you know, I'm doing kind of a combo of like how it's just another way to mm-hmm. find imagery. And it's also not like the imagery that you can just easily find on Google or something, too. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just I think it for me and my work and how I'm using it again, how I'm using it, not mm-hmm. how you were referencing earlier about people potentially stealing, stealing your you. work. Yeah, yeah. But I'm using it as a tool, as a foundation and another resource. Yeah. I think it's pretty neat. But I can also see how it can be really dangerous, too. Yeah, totally. I'm curious, from a business point of view, what is, what's the most lucrative part of your business? Is it doing that kind of large-scale project? Or is it selling all the drinkware or being at the state fair or be, having your things in a store? Yeah, so the, the – I was trying to think about this even this morning because I used to say, like, there were three arms of the business. Now I'm not entirely sure how many arms there really are. It's like an octopus, right? Mm-hmm. There's the there's the art side. Mm-hmm. So there's like the com- big commission work side. Sure. There's the merchandise side. And then there's like the art print side. That's kind of how I look at it. 
And historically, it's always been the art side that has always the commissioned work sure. that has always brought in like the most bread, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The the art print side is is super fun to do. I I love doing it, but that's more like you know passive income while you sleep kind of a thing, right? And Which is nice to have. It's great to have. Yeah. It's also a lot of work up front because I just get to make a lot of art and it's really awesome. And hopefully it's other art that people like. And then um but that that and also I try to do even some of the commissioned work that I do, as we said before, kind of in the rock poster stuff where I actually make some art prints out of client work because mm. I retain the rights to that. So like I might mm. take their information off, I might change the art a little bit, and then I use that as a as another arts revenue source for me. And then merchandise, you know, merchandise is complicated. It's I love having a merch line mm-hmm. and I love being able to have this merch line to get me out into numerous stores. Mm-hmm. When I was handling all the merch myself, which I don't do anymore, it was it was like I didn't have I didn't have the capacity with myself and my studio manager to and we had, we had a merchandise director at the time too to handle all of that just everything, all the day to day, everything that goes into that. Yeah. That's not my world. That's not my favorite. It's not what I want to. You got to figure out what to outsource. If right? I'm not making art. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sitting there packing boxes all day long and I'm not able to, you know, be, you know, making things. And then I have to correspond on email and all this stuff. That's not smart. That's mm-hmm. not a good way for me as an artist to run an art business. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, uh, just to answer the question, merch is kind of like one of the. It's kind. It's kind of like the the third revenue source, I think, for me. Mm-hmm. I heard once that there's like, I read this book where it's like you should have at least seven different sources of revenue coming in or something. And I try. I'd really try to think about that. Like I also have collaborations. I forget like the term, but basically like when uh, like a royalty type of. Uh, relationship with some brands that I work with, like mm-hmm. Faribault Woolen Mills, for example. Like I, I have my art on their pillows and blankets. And mm. I also have a puzzle line and that's with a business too. So I get royal- royalties from them as well. Got it. But I'm not managing all that, right? Mm-hmm. So a few years ago, I think it's about just over two years now, the merchandise was just getting to be a lot. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I... I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not profitable for me. And it's just not working, even though I love it. And it really sucks to get rid of this, but I can't keep making art. It's too stressful. And mm. I like all I want to do is just make art and make people happy, right? Yeah. So, so what'd you do? Because I feel like I still see your merch out there. Merch has like grown quite a bit because of what happened. And what happened was we had a uh, th- this guy who basically produces my socks. And he, he's, he's pretty awesome. And he said, Hey, you know, it sounds like, you know, you don't want to be doing the merchandise program anymore. I'm, you know, when I say I'm, I'm talking about referencing him. Mm-hmm. I'm moving my operation from this state over now into Minnesota. And I have capacity to bring your stuff in. Mm-hmm. However, I would like to now license your products. So I was like, aha. Uh-huh. And so he put together this big long contract, you know, and I paid a lawyer, he paid a lawyer, and we put all this stuff together to figure out how could we now move forward with him licensing my work and now I get a royalty off of mm. off of sales sold. And you don't have to I don't deal have to, with fulfilling orders or any of that stuff. He's got all that in place. Nice. I he warehouses it, he he buys all of it, he um, has a sales team that that now reps it. So I was in about twelve stores, mm-hmm. and now we're in like ninety or something or, wow. or more beyond Minnesota. No, basically All, in the, just in the state of Minnesota. Pretty much every single gift shop in Minnesota. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like I was just <laughs> up north with my family, and then we went into like Nanny Buju, uh-huh. like way up there, like near Grand Portage, and I'm like, oh, I've got artists to watch cards in here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know where. Which you is are. another collaboration, another royalty program that I've got going on. Wow. So it's like you just like I I really. I, I like to make art and I like to get it out to a lot of people. And, and that was a way to, to make that happen. Now, 
that's not the major part of the business because I'm not making like we can't put a ton of concentration into that, but I can I like to schedule in the merchandise stuff. So like we have a new merchandise line coming out. We're going to debut that at the state fair coming up here, you know, in at the end of August. And so I do put in time and effort into that, but then I have a, you know, there's a there's a small team helping me with with sure. that part. Yeah. That we just talked about. So and then also like back to the state fair too. You know, the, the guy who's running our uh, um, merchandise program, he also runs the whole state fair thing for me, so too. So you don't have to be out there. I have just to. Just doing the PR. If I, 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 it is in my best interest to be out at the fair. <laughs> and Do for, you enjoy it? And fortunately, you know, I remember when I was, when, when the fair, the fair used to be like kind of a daunting thing for me. And like, so bring my family and do, you know, and at the time the whole stroller thing and all this stuff, this is back, back when the kids were little. And then flash forward to 2017, and the fair is so much more fun for me because I feel like I'm part of the family now. Hmm. And it's like when you when you feel like the back end of it, and you're just in there. I know, I know, like the former CEO. I know the new CEO. Mm-hmm. We we know like we. There's another woman that we work with who I'm actually going to go see in in about an hour an <laughs> hour or so. And um and she's like the queen of the vendors. And I mean, it's just like yeah. it's. It's super cool. People listening to this from outside of, yeah. of Minnesota probably don't understand, like, a fair. What are we talking about? Who we cares about guy, a little a state little fair? fair? <laughs> but, I mean, it it can it can be a major opportunity, especially for small businesses. And I feel like we always talk about the food, but for merchandise, it's not just the, you know, as seen on TV stuff anymore. I mean, it's it's it yeah. seems like it has become increasingly important to launch a product grow a product line, especially if it's tied yeah. to Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, it is the state fair is a business in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that they like about me is that we really try to invent what we're doing every year, at least to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Fairgoers, oh, you guys, again, Minnesota State Fair is second behind Texas, but should be first because we only have 12 days and they have 24. Yes. And we are, and we have almost the same Amen. amount. It's mm-hmm. it's bananas. It is. Um, it's like none other. It's uh, bananas is the wrong word. It is cheese curds. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is cookies. Yes. So, at any rate, um, but I think that that's something that they love about what my team and I are trying to do. Like even this year, we're going to have our booth is going to be three times the size of what it was last year. Wow. That's cookies. Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot of cookies. It's so huge. Um, I mean, we've got like 2,000 square feet of, of space now. And it's, I don't think that they would really do, do that for any like first time vendor or anything. But, you know, I feel like I've You're been. You're like as important as Sweet Martha now. I don't know. I'm not putting myself in that category because she's amazing. That, I mean, that is just upper level amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. And I need to meet her. Like, that yeah. would be really fun. Like, how Feels cool would it like be to that do like. should happen at this point. Like a limited edition cookie. Pale. Hello. Yes. Sweet Martha's. Let, let's do something. Exactly. Look at you. Entrepreneuring <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. Well, you know, got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. It's, but, it, but it is. I mean, it's not just fun. I mean, it's big business. It's, it's, it's a lot it's of work. It's a lot of work. But, you know, it's ever since that I signed over that master licensee agreement. And now I, I show up about roughly eight out of the 12 days. And we've got scheduled times that I'm there. And we have a, you know, I've got a PR team behind me, you know, to really help with trying to get the message out, like what I'm doing every year and mm-hmm. what the new cool thing is and, you know, why why you should be interested. I mean, th- there's a ton of reasons to be interested in so many other things at the fair. Why why would you want to come and hang out yeah. with me? And that that's what we're always trying to communicate. It's like every year we're trying to have something new, something cool, and something that hopefully everybody like thinks is really like something that they want to be a part of. Do you... Given how known you are for all the iconic Minnesota stuff and how many different, you know, drawings and murals and things you've done at this point, do you still find, is it, are you, are you still inspired? Do you, do you still find new things that you want to draw? Is there, is there a state icon or site that you haven't done yet that's on your bucket list? There's always something. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so fun is like, you know, people will, give me suggestions or I will just come up with something or we'll just be talking about something or like, like travel somewhere and just, and think of new, new ideas and new things to, to create. So it's kind of, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's endless. Cause I, 
I, I, I don't know if there is an end, but you know, current currently there's just uh there's there's still there's still places to explore and night and and new ideas. So I don't know. I've I've created like in 2013 I did that Minnesota months. Also that same year I did the Minnesota Abbey Road piece that I've done, which is my most popular piece to date. Mm. And that's got the four characters mm-hmm. walking across the the Stone Arch Bridge, just like the Beatles and Abbey Road. Yeah. And there's just always new ways of of trying to communicate new there's new ways of trying to communicate what is Minnesota to people. Uh-huh. And I'm not entirely sure what that is all the time, but I'm just trying to make things that hopefully people really enjoy and, and think is cool and new. <laughs> One way I've described it is it's like deep local. Deep local. It sounds weird, yeah. but when you know, you know. Yeah. And so I've, like even last night I was at this little presentation, I kind of like gave them a l- some of the people that were there who I knew little sneak peek as to what's gonna what I'm gonna show at the at the state fair. And they're like, oh my God, I know that. And mm-hmm. and it's not something that you first think of. Mm-hmm. But it's like, let's just let's just say it's an iconic spread yeah. that we all really enjoy here in the state of Minnesota. You can only get it here. And I'm doing some artwork based on that. And and like people think it's kind of cool. So I I'm taking things that that people in Minnesota know. Mm-hmm. And they embrace it and they might really feel like ownership over it for themselves. And then I'm putting it out there to just be like, I got you. Mm-hmm. I know that too, you know, and so. Is it, it's pretty cool. Is it, is it the career you always dreamed of? Is it the life you dreamed of? Is it beyond? Is it different? It's ever evolving. But yeah, I mean, this is what I've always wanted to do. So I'm pretty lucky that, um, you know, I've. I've always wanted to make art. I went to school for art. I, you know, I, I, I got into my career doing graphic design and art, and now I'm just doing, now I'm a full-time artist doing what I'm doing, and I, I love it. It's, mm-hmm. been, it's been a ride, and who knows where it's going to go from here, but it's, uh, it's, it's super exciting. I don't think that many artists can say that either, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a hustle. I mean, I've got a shirt that says that says "Draw Paint Hustle" because I mean that's the you got it, paint on your yeah, shorts well, at I'm, this very moment. I know because I got to go back to the studio. I got this big thing I got to paint. So you know, I mean, and this is what I wear all the time. You know, it was funny when you're like, you're like, you can be you know casual podcast attire. I'm like, that's what I wear all the time. <laughs> uh, well, you're a walking billboard. I'm, for your I'm, own I business. try to, and like you know, it's it's all about branding and stuff. I mean, even the stickers that we give out are. The designs on them are of just stuff that I like. I don't know if it's really marketable necessarily to like, you know, show. Uh, I, I'm just trying to think of one of them, but like an octopus with like, you know, a, with a hamburger in one of its tentacles. Like, I don't know who's really going to buy that as much as they're going to buy like a state of Minnesota shape here, but that's something that I love and I'm just going to give that to you, mm-hmm. you know? So, but yeah, I like to, I, I like all that. Branding and walking billboard and all that kind of stuff. I love it. I love the deep local and we'll probably leave it there. But I, I'm curious. <laughs> uh, one more thing before we let you go. Oh, do I've got you, hours for you. <laughs> Let's keep going. Do you ever um, do you think about taking it national? Could you do the same thing for other markets or is it is your work so tied to your community that, you know, that is such a great question and something that I've played with for so long because ideally it was always like i want to be national Mm -hmm. i want to be international well we kind of get we kind of have this idea that like that's the sign of success right but you know over for better or worse and i take a deep sigh because it's like my student manager i kind of had a heart to heart a couple years ago when like you know when there was the whole lockdown for everybody and all that garbage and and it was like I I am a Minnesota artist. I mean, that is what people know me for. And it's like, Adam, you got to embrace that. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be, you don't have to be everything for everybody, right? Right. Would I like to get into other markets? Yes. But I also want to do it with like low risk. Like I don't want to just spend all this time and creative energy on making like a bunch of stuff for like California or Texas or, you know, all the states we were picking on earlier, (laughs) which would be cool. But... I'd rather concentrate on what 
I know and I love, which is here mm-hmm. in the state of Minnesota. So I know it. I live it. I love it. It's fun. Well, and you can feel that. That comes through. Right. These are places that you've been and you go and you know and you understand. I feel like I'd be faking it. Yeah. And like fake it till you make it is something like a lot of people, and trust me, I have too, but then it's really fakey. Mm -hmm. And then, and there's enough fakey art out there, you know, in in the retail space that, that I've seen in some shops where it's like, that they're, you know, the art is just basically being re- reformatted for a different state park or a different, you know, state or whatever it is. And I have a lot of trouble with that because I want everything to be custom. And maybe I need to let go of that a little bit. But also that's, I think, part of the reason why people really love my stuff is yeah. because it is so like, like, oh my God, I, I feel that. Like, I right. love that. Right. There's heart to it. There's heart to it. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's amazing what you've done. And it, I think it puts smiles on so many Minnesotans faces when we we see your work and when we know it and that is that's the real testament to you thank you i mean that i mean that's the whole reason that i that i love doing what i'm doing i mean it makes me happy and hopefully it makes other people happy in the in the process too. i think so Well, if you're out at the Minnesota State Fair in the next couple of weeks, be sure to stop by the second floor of the Grandstand. That's where you'll find the bigger and better Adam Terman booth of 2023. And of course, after the fair and anytime, you can go to adamterman.com to see all of his work and many different projects. For some more perspective, let's go back to the classroom with the University of St. Thomas Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, where Shinwan No is an assistant professor of entrepreneurship and thinks a lot about this incredibly difficult balance of creativity and commercial success. Adam is an incredible artist. There is no doubt about that. But at the same time, he's a brilliant business person as well. He has such a keen market sensibility. And I think his story offers really valuable insights, especially for entrepreneurs in the arts and cultural industries, because oftentimes people tend to believe that art and commerce are conflicting concepts and almost like mutually exclusive. So you are bound to sacrifice one to achieve success in the other. But that's not necessarily true, as we can see in Adam's case. All you need to do is to find a sweet spot between what you want to do and what your audience wants to see, right? And then over time, he has developed his own like Adam Terman style, which I think is very distinctive and recognizable to many Minnesotans. Yes. So he says with great pride, that he is a Minnesota artist and he really embraces that. He concentrates on what he knows and what he loves. He puts his heart into his work. And inevitably, that's what speaks to a lot of people because there is authenticity. So art is basically a passion-driven career. So self-awareness is a must to have for successful artists. Hmm. And I always tell my students that the best entrepreneurs are probably the most empathetic people because they must be able to think like their core audience in order hmm. to really capture their needs and their pain points. And Adam seems to possess a very keen sense of that. That's a great point. Before we let you go, I just wanted to touch on one other thing that came up a lot and certainly also speaks to this balance of creativity and commerce. And that is AI and how it's impacting all of us in different ways, but artists in particular. What did you think about Adam's take on how he's using it? Yes. Well, whether we like it or not, whether we are ready or not, there's a widespread availability of AI image generators. And it's definitely disrupting the traditional process of cultural production. So the key is to learn how we can leverage those technologies in our practices and use those to our advantage. And I think that's exactly what Adam has been doing with AI. He says he used those technologies as a tool, not as a final result. Right. He sees AI as a resource that gives him some inspiration. And 
on more than one occasion, I heard art professionals comparing ChatGPT and MidJourney to the way Photoshop has become indispensable to photographers. Right. And the truth is, a lot of art schools in the U.S. offer courses that prepare their students to use those programs and encourage them to use them as the foundation, as the starting point of a creative project. And that's what Adam has been doing. So it's a really critical time, I think, to ask those questions like, what does it mean to be artist today when computers can create images too? Well, I don't have the exact answer right now, but one thing I can say is AI is really good at doing what it's told to do. Right. But it still needs the prompt. It needs guidance, which comes from humans. Right. And we humans are really good at imagining something new and being curious. We have empathy. We have curiosity. But AI is really good at like devouring billions of data points from across the internet. We still need the Adam Termins to, to dream it up and bring it all together. We still need human artists who can produce meaning, not just images, but meaning. There you go. Great perspective and no doubt a conversation that will continue so much to dig into there. Shinwan No, thank you so much for your perspective. And thank you to our presenting partner, the University of St. Thomas Schultz School of Entrepreneurship. Hope you'll come back again, Shinwan. We have so much more to talk about. Thank you, Ellie. If you want to know more about the show, go to tcbmag.com slash by all means. You'll find all our past episodes and extra insights from professors at the University of St. Thomas. Thanks again for listening to By All Means. Teamwork to make by all means, and we've got some all stars. Thanks to our audio engineer, Tom Ferlitti. Digital support is Ricky Hannigan and Dan Nepo. Thanks to the University of St. Thomas, Opus College of Business, and Schultz School of Entrepreneurship, especially Dean Laura Dunham, for all their support. Our theme music is by Song Finch. Thank you for listening to By All Means. Music